Welcome to Unburied Books, a podcast reading its way through the New York Review Books classics. We do not have a book this week. Instead, we are taking a deeper dive into ourselves. Oh no. We, this I'm is an scared. Intro- <laughs> this is an introduction podcast. It's something we probably could have done when we started this show, but we felt now was as good of time as ever to do it. Yeah, you know when your English teacher, like back in high school, if you had a timed writing, they would say like, start with the body of the essay, like get into your analysis and then go back and write the introduction. Of course. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're taking their advice. Yeah, 100% we are. So Dylan, why are we doing this podcast? What do we hope to accomplish? Oh, well, you and I had always talked about doing a podcast together. And it was quite a journey of deciding what that podcast should be. At one point, you and I almost did a Booker Awards podcast instead of this. Yeah, it was going to be called By the Booker. Pretty good name. And we recorded an episode of that. We did. We did an intro podcast doing the awards from this past year. It was a reaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was great. I wonder if we can recover our reaction to Dua Lipa talking about her love of reading. We probably can do that, and we might do that as a bonus episode if anyone ever wants it. Yeah, someone will have to like pay us 10 <laughs> grand or something. We'll <laughs> send them the MP3. <laughs> it sounds, it's like the secret Wu Tang album that that yeah, pharmaceutical yeah. guy owns now. Shkreli. Yeah. Yeah, Shkreli. I remember when he was interrogated about that in Congress, and Trey Gowdy was like (laughs) he was like wu-tang is that the group is that the artist and i just remember i think it's so funny when people um like old people refer to something as a group (laughs) that band that uh that That group is that the group (laughs) i will never forget that was a seminal moment of your life honestly it was Well, I think it's interesting. I think you were the f- person who said we should do an NYRB podcast. It, it was rejected the first time I mentioned it, though. And I was like, first of all, there's probably already 20 of those. <laughs> and then we looked it up, and there were zero. It's kind of shocking the, uh, what is it, like the market space we got to walk into. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> this lane was just left open, empty. Especially when there's like an uncountable number of Criterion Collection podcasts. Yeah, it's it's a hundred percent where the, I I feel like I can find a new Criterion podcast every week. This is similar to it in a literary style, and there's just no one taking up the job. So it fell upon us, these two backwater, backwoods, uneducated, unqualified people <laughs> living in Albuquerque. <laughs> So when we began this venture, we thought that we would try to go in order of when the books were published. Yeah. Because it's kind of like sometimes when I try to take on a task, you just get so distracted by all the possibilities Mm -hmm. that you just need to go in order or else you won't get to everything. Yeah. So we tried that. I think our first three episodes are... Four. You're right. You're right. We were like, okay, there's not enough diversity here. This doesn't actually capture the spirit, the full spirit of what NYRB is. 
to readers, to the world, unless we dip into different time periods. So our methodology, in case anyone is interested, is a mixture of us reaching out to people and saying, we want you on our show, like, pick any book you want, we want to talk to you, and then us picking books and matching them to the person and saying, we really want to do this book and you're the perfect person to talk to, will you please come on? Mm -hmm. And by doing both of those things, we hope to introduce ourselves to new books and then also cover books we want to talk about and then also create some variety of languages and men versus women and different countries and time periods and genres and whatnot. And also just prose styles, exactly. Yeah. So who who are you and I, Dylan? I'm just I, I was born and raised in Albuquerque. You you've had a led a much more interesting life, I would say, than I have. What 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 is there interesting about my life? One fun thing I can say about my life is in high school I did win the most passionate reader award given mm. out by my teachers. So the <laughs> fact that I am doing this podcast now is not shocking, but I was never like studying English or literature as my main subject. So it's really nice to be doing this and sort of going back into that reading passion that I at some point kind of left behind in high school. You are an extremely passionate reader and that's a huge part of what makes the podcast great. (laughs) Thank you. That's so nice. It's true. The only thing I have like that is that I was raised in an evangelical church My mother was a church administrator and they had a tiny library of like religious oriented books. And because like my mom was a single mom and she worked all the time at this, she worked for this church like it was like Goldman Sachs or something. She gave it like all of her time and energy. (laughs) And I would like sleep in a cot on the floor of this friggin' office. But uh, they had a little library, like I said, of religious books. And they gave out an award for the person who checked the most books out of it. And I don't know who could even rival me. (laughs) I had absolutely no competition, but I did win that award. That's really cool. So we got a couple listener questions. We got one from true friend of the pod, Anthony Garrett. OG guy. This guy was on our day ones. He asks, how did the love of literature and related arts such as cinema develop for both of you? You answer first. Okay, how did the love of literature... So I come from a very bookish family. My Both my grandparents on my dad's side were librarians. They actually met at an American Library Association conference. So I think it was just beat into me. I had no choice. I would get like (laughs) boxes of books for every occasion, you know, birthday, Christmas, whatever. You know, when I would call like my relatives, they would be like, what are you reading? It was just kind of part of life. So I think it came from that. Mm-hmm. For me, I think I got into literature. Well, I guess I always liked books, but I got really into it when I thought about becoming a writer and then later becoming a filmmaker. And I think that started in third grade when we had writing competitions every week with these like little story prompts. And I freaking smoked people on that. And I can say that with all knowledge because... I remember you you read me some of those. Yeah, they're really stupid. My dentist's wife was my third grade teacher. So every time I go to the dentist now, my old teacher's there because she works at, at like his front desk. And we're always like, you killed those kids at the writing competitions. 
And I think that just like, like really sparked something in me. And I was like, okay, so I, I like writing. I like creating stories. I had to dedicate myself to reading every book and watching every movie from that point on. That's beautiful. Another OG and truly our OG friend of the pod because he was our first guest. Yeah, he was. Simon. Good to see you again. Let's go. (laughs) So Simon asked, would love if you could each pick three books that would together represent the taste to someone who didn't know you. You and I both uh, slaved at this question. And I don't know that I slaved. I stressed. (laughs) Simon thought he was giving us a friendly point of order. And oh my gosh, we kind of destroyed ourselves the past night. (laughs) Trying to figure out what we wanted to answer about this. I know. It's really hard. All right. Should I go first? Yeah, you go first. I think you're going to pick some that I potentially would pick. And I don't want to double up. Oh, okay. So I, I tried to adjust to what I thought you might pick. So we're just doing This is Battleship right here. This really is. The first one I had. And I decided to leave off all NYRBs for this. And there was one that might have fit into it. But I'll get into it in, in a later thing. The first thing I picked was Moby Dick. I think it's just like the ultimate book. I read it last year and I think I can answer this better when it comes to movies and stuff because that was a bigger obsession of mine. But I love classical stories. I love big emotions, romantic settings. And Moby Dick is just like the ultimate version of everything I think you could want from at least that sort of sensibility. Mm. The second book I picked, I went back and forth and I don't know. I think you were trying to decide one of these because as we talk about like romantic things, it's not just like settings and uh, emotions. I, I, I love romance itself. The society, how it views romance and how we internalize romance. And so I was either going between Valette yeah. or The Age of Innocence. Yeah. And I was going to leave Valette for you and pick Age of Innocence. Take either. I'm not, I'm not picking that book. I'm taking Valette. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Valette was a truly altering experience in my life. It was one of these things where I think Jane Eyre was probably one of my five favorite books for most of my life. And I had never really read other Charlotte Brontes. And Cassia, when I met her, was just like, all right, we're going to read a lot more Bronte. We're going to we're gonna figure out, <laughs> like, just we're going outside of Jane Eyre. And it's always that good. Jane Eyre could just as easily have the spot. But there was something about Valette where I loved the setting of, like, the school and... There's nothing like the sort of interior monologue that we get from uh, Lucy Snow mm. in that book. It's 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 almost it's incredibly hard to ever find something that unique and that wonderful in another novel. And my third novel, another thing I really like is I like the epics. I like Dante. I like Homer. Those were the first books I would say I got into. Mm. Even like I don't know if this counts, but like Chaucer. Mm. So I, I I really like these like poetic tales of of adventure and so I, I was going back and forth between those and I decided to settle on the Silmarillion. Oh my because, god. <laughs> <laughs> because when I was even like in my earliest stages, not just like me getting really into like the classics in high school, I was really into sort of science fiction fantasy in middle school and the Lord of the Rings book series itself was like the first books I got obsessed with that are the foundation by Asimov. 
And I think the Silmarillion represents that perfect balance between sort of like epic poetry and sort of literally my roots in that genre of books that was my very first beginning to really reading outside of school. That's beautiful. Thank you. And I will say, um, for all the listeners that are Lord of the Rings fans, I will force Kasi to read the Silmarillion at some point just to see what happens. I, yeah. Well, you tried to do that last year. We do two book swaps a year. And uh, you tried to make me read the Silmarillion. I read like one sentence and I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> Everyone stay tuned for another bonus episode where I break down the Silmarillion with Kasi and like three other Tolkien experts. Episode will be in Sindarin Elvish. That sounds so <laughs> fun. I mean, I really respect that genre. I respect the idea of the Silmarillion. Like, I like it in theory. It's just really hard for me to actually read that. That's very much understandable. And that many weird ass words. Like, I I want to get over my own prejudices it's just it's not even a prejudice like i'm not even prejudiced against it it's just actually hard for me to read but i'm gonna do it i will one day yes well look this was difficult this was really hard let's go i did pick an nyrb oh okay interesting because my favorite author happens to be featured in the collection so oh yeah 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 there's two ivy compton burnett's Ivy, for those who don't know, I have a deep Our Twitter's spiritual... done a good job promoting this. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm surprised by the amount of like Ivy content out there. I thought that I was alone <laughs> in this world. <laughs> I believe, actually, this question is from Simon. I believe I found Simon's blog for the first time when I was looking for Ivy stuff. And I was like, oh, heck yes. this guy knows all about Ivy. And I was like, this guy has all, like, not just the books, but, like, secondary books. He's, he, like, put me onto the book written by her typist. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I just love Ivy Compton Burnett. When I first found her books, they just, like, cracked open my mind. I couldn't believe that someone could write so viciously and truthfully about how evil, like, families can be. <laughs> And I know it sounds harsh. Do you have any family like, things you need to work out, Cassia? Yeah, kind of. Like, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned for my for my novel. But like, I just couldn't believe it. And honestly, like, she made me just so excited about what you could do as a writer. Like, you could take classical inspiration and then reinvent the novel form, like, for your own purposes. I just I love her so much. So I picked a house in its head just because. Like, it's a toss-up for me because I love all her books. But I picked that one over Maidservant because I believe this is the one that features... Someone asks for Charles Darwin for Christmas. And then the tyrant of that book, I can't remember whether it's the mother or the father, is like, no, you will never read this. And just, like, throws it in the fire. And it's an iconic opening of a book. It's just like, no, there will be no Darwinism in our household. so that's sort of my british woman column like insane woman column so like you have a lot of authors and stuff yeah like that's a huge pillar for me but like there's so many people in there so it's like i can't 
do a Bronte if I've already done a Compton Barnett. Sure, sure. You know, because they're... And you can't do Bruckner, you can't do Taylor, all these other authors that you really love. Townsend Warner, where... Exactly. Hello, Simon. Yeah. So we got to move on. I debated whether or not to include this one because we did talk about it in our last episode. But The Dream of the Red Chamber. Yeah, I think you had to Chinese do this. Chinese classical novel. This, we did Screwy Women... My other big category is like grandiose, gigantic, obsessive, eccentric works of singular genius. Like I love like a gigantic, insane book. And like this. Moby Dick. Moby Dick could go in here. Um, Anatomy and Melancholy actually, this could is, go in here. Yeah. But like this is almost like an Ivy Compton Burnett book in a Moby Dick book where it is a bunch yeah. of family drama and stuff. It is a family drama. I didn't think about that. It is. There's connections. Yeah. So just like multiple characters, all kinds of different genres, colliding ideologies, all sorts of things, like so many layers of symbol. Like I love that. So <laughs> that book changed my life. That book rocks the world. Everyone should read that book. Mm-hmm. I, I wish it was as talked about as like Moby Dick or something. So I, I have to kind of up that every time that I get an opportunity. Okay, now the third category. This is the one I don't know. I was able to predict the first two. I know, because you you know me, but. I thought she would do a non-NYRB Ivy though. I was surprised you went with one of the NYRBs. I did that on purpose. Interesting, okay. But I also love that one, so it very well could be that one. Yeah. I'm gonna pick poetry. Ooh. Oh, I wanted, I picked this. So I'm going to pick the complete poems of Derek Walcott. Oh, because you do love Walcott. For me, this is a recent, a relatively recent discovery. Like Ivy and Dream, like Red Chamber, those are core traditional Cassia. You know, this is more like <laughs> my, my, my new shit. <laughs> I can't say that. You have to believe. This is a clean podcast. I'd never heard of him, shame on me, until I went to Barbados and I was like in a used bookstore and I saw this big, chunky, beautifully published complete poems of whoever, although he was still alive at the time. So it's not, it wasn't actually the complete poems. (laughs) It was like his complete poems till like the 80s or something. Okay. But I think that he, in a similar way to, he speaks to both of those other categories in a sense, which is like, Caribbean authors don't have a rich literary heritage, like the same kind of literary heritage that a British author or a Chinese author has to build off of, but they can borrow from like all these different places. Mm -hmm. And what's so fascinating about Walcott is that you see him creating his own identity in real time as his poetry books evolve. And when you have that big collection, you can just read all of them in succession. And reading this book, I've never been like a huge poetry person, but like I read this entire gigantic book of poetry, like it was a bowl of popcorn. It was just like knocking it back. I was like, yes, yes, yes. And it's so, it's so much about place. You know, a lot of his poems are, you have the old pirogues, you have the sea grapes and all of the flora and fauna of the islands. And I was in Barbados at the time and I, you know, you can just feel like place. I really like 
writers with a strong sense of place or writing yeah. that makes place its main subject. Yeah. So that's another one of my big categories. Yeah. And I just think Derek Walcott is one of the most exciting writers that's ever lived. That's awesome. So those are my I should I, sh- I should have picked a more modern book in one of my three. I feel awkward now. When you were like, I separated mine between different sorts of pillars. We only got three. I like Geek Love. I like Geek Love. I like 2666. You can't. Those you only my... get three. You can't violate. Ah! <laughs> Simon, we took that way too far. But uh, thank you for your question. <laughs> NZFriend33 on Instagram asked us two questions. The first was, how did we start reading slash discover NYRBs? And what was your first? Delon? I can't believe you called me Delon on the podcast. They're going to find out eventually that I call you Delon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was It was you. me, yeah, yeah. One of the first times you and I hung out, we were at a Barnes & Noble, and you were like, I, I think I asked you, like, what are, like, your favorite books? And you knew I was a movie person. You were like, well, there's, like, a Criterion's but for books. And I said, I have no idea what the NYRBs are. And you were like... All right, so you went over to like the fiction section. We're like, okay, here's an NYRB, here's an NYRB, here's an NYRB. And you were just able to find them so easily because your eyes are now trained to look for that. Yeah, like, my eyes. Monochromatic spine, sans serif writing with the little NYRB at the bottom. I am like a bird of prey for the NYRBs. Like I can spot <laughs> those like nobody's business. You really can. I've tried to have competitions with you when we're in bookstores to be like, all right, who's going to find the first NYRB? And you <laughs> I always, always beat me. It's true. And I was like, wow, look at all these books that I had no idea about. And I don't know. So you, you turned that, me onto that. And my first NYRB officially was Conversations with Beethoven, which was a Christmas present from you. Oh, yeah. And I remember I read most of it probably a week or two later, like on your first back porch waiting for you to come home one day and that was just a that. transcendent experience you found me outside i didn't hear <laughs> you come in remember you and you were like what are you doing out there and i was like i'm just like diving into this book that's and i'm a huge beethoven fan so that was a really wonderful experience to read i'm excited to do that one on the podcast because i like books yeah. that are kind of formally weird in that way like it's little tidbits it's a bit yeah I'm excited. Basically, the book you're reading his speech notes because he didn't know how to... When he went deaf, he decided to write all of his thoughts and have them write it back to him. And so basically, it's just a journal of these literal conversations he has with different people. That's really cool. In the final years of his life, it's so good. So I don't remember how I discovered them, but I remember it was around like 2012 or 13... And I can remember being on their website and just like clicking through page by page and just reading the description of every book and being just like (laughs) amazed by them and being like, I want all, like, I want to read all of these. I was so grateful that it existed. Yeah. The first one that I got and read was Tenants of Moonbloom, which is, it's like a man who lives in these tenements of Manhattan and it's about him, but also his relationship. I almost with, bought this one with all of these different for the NYRB characters. Sale. Yeah, I think I love a book that looks at a slice of a city, like through a particular building. This is like the Yakubian mm-hmm. building of New York or something, basically. <laughs> favorite and least favorite NYRBs. Do you just start? Oh God, this 
This I didn't even prepare anything for because it could really be so many. For the favorite. So many in the, the least, least favorites favorite. category. <laughs> I struggle for the least favorite. I don't know what. I mean, my favorites. I love A Month in the Country. So do you. I made you read that. God dang it. I that lo- was going to be my pick. <laughs> I loved um, Family Lexicon, Natalia Ginsburg, mm-hmm. any Natalia Ginsburg, any Patrick Lee Fermer. I like a lot of the travel writing in here. I love the Elizabeth Taylors. Of course. I was really excited when they published Private Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner. I read that in college. That's one of my favorite books. That's the most Cassia title I've ever heard. Oh, I love Eileen Chang. I mean, I could just, I love Henry Green. (laughs) The Olivia Manning books. The Lenore Carrington books. I wish we had just like a hype crowd of all of our NYRB fans. Like, yeah! Journey by Moonlight. <laughs> this is supposed to be favorite and least the, favorite. The Dorothy Baker. Oh my God! The the Jessica Mitford, the Nancy Mitford. Come on! <laughs> it's like how can you once you get go, the Barbara coming? I completely forgot about that. How could you forget about that? The uh, the Muhammad biography. That's my shit. <laughs> Bleep. Sorry. It's so much easier to not curse when we have a guest. What about you? I mean, least favorite. <laughs> I don't think I've, well, that's a lie. What is it? It's okay. I didn't really like Speedboat by Renata Adler. Yeah, you're going to get canceled. You're going to get canceled for that. Sorry. It's like the mo- it's one of the most popular ones. What about you, Dylan? Uh, my, I, I was going to try to pick a favorite we haven't read. And like I said, Cassie basically introduced me to these books very recently. And I mentioned Conversations with Beethoven as my first, but probably my favorite non-one that we've read for the podcast is A Month in the Country. The last thing I probably really like in books is a really slice of life story of mm. spirituality, life, uh, identity. And this book really has just about all that. It's a really beautiful tale about someone just uncovering a mural in a church in post-World War I England and just sort of the town and stuff. And it's it's really short, but it's got so much depth in it. And it was a really special read. Great choice. Okay, how many other favorites did you find just now? I just keep, I'm keeping them to myself. I've I tried to read the Enchanted April once and I couldn't get through it, so that could be a least favorite. I found it just like a little. It was really well written. I just I don't know. It was very sugary sweet, and it was oh, hard no. for me. Something Dylan would love. You probably would love it. Also, um, I have never read Eve Babbitts, but I just. Feel prejudiced against her for some reason. I don't know why. I just feel like it won't be my thing. That is a cancel. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just being straightforward. We we are definitely going to be doing the Eve Babbitts podcast at some point. You're going to have to hold on to that until when we enter that realm. I mean, look, I I've never read her. Like this is literally just. (laughs) Oh, and the Fountain Overflows by Rebecca West, like incredible book, and I love Rebecca West. I was obsessed with her ever since. I figured out that the two coolest old ladies in the documentary interview parts of Reds, uh, one of them was Rebecca West, and she wrote books. And then I read them, and I was, and one of them's an NYRB. Reds is a great movie. <laughs> you can't speak to the book, but... <laughs> yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I can't. Look. Again, I'm... Oh, I love Thomas Brown. I can't wait till we do Thomas Brown. Oh, we'll do a Thomas Brown, for sure. I just, I want to do them all. I know. You and I have been discussing how we could do this as a once a week podcast at some point. 
because we just we want to be doing more of these. They're so much fun to do and, and to talk and have you guys give feedback and listen. It's literally the like one of the most fun things I've ever done. Yeah. I love it. And I every book I'm like, I want to do that next week. I want to do that next week. I want like it's just like an endless array of excitement. Yeah, this morning you were like, can we do this book now? And I'm like, we already have like six books lined up and you've said this about every day since we started the podcast. It's true. <laughs> do you have least favorites? No, I don't. You have to. Come on. Yes, you do. You don't want to read Prison Memoirs of an Anarchist. But that's... <laughs> oh, I... I, I Way to sell me out. That, um, Life of Henry Brulard is in here. I love that book as well. <laughs> least favorite i don't I, I i i like i said i don't really want to pick books that we've done on our podcast yeah i don't i don't either. actually i don't i don't think but it's bad just... to say i'll say it's uh it's the last one we did short letter long for a while and i talked about that a little bit on our last podcast i still like that book overall but it it was just it was different from what i usually enjoy it's still a great freaking book great freaking book some of the philosophy i'm a little trepidatious mm. about having to read and analyze just because I don't feel I have the vocabulary necessarily to discuss that. Mm-hmm. Or the point of connection with it that like I do with stories or not other forms of nonfiction. Sure. But hey, that, that's part of it. I, I really enjoy talking about books I don't like. I, not in a mean way. Like I just, I enjoy, sometimes I like that more. That's the perfect time to talk about how we're going to get you to read The Silmarillion. <laughs> well there are exceptions and that's not one of them well is there anything else that we feel we need to say to the people no uh thank you all so much for listening to us and, and being on this journey we hope we can go for like ever and we hope you just keep on reading and, and listening and being a part of the community thank you for listening to unburied books Please join us again next week when we return to our usual schedule. Let's go! Simon! (laughs) All right, bye. Bye.